Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall, a retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel. Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And hello once again. We have returned from our 167-hour hiatus with a different perspective. And I truly am Kevin Randall. Take take no uh, substitutes, I suppose. I am going to be joined by my friend, and I probably should say long-distance friend, Alejandro Rojas, who is the director of operations for Open Minds Production, the host of Open Minds UFO Radio, editor and contributing writer for Open Minds TV, and MC for the International UFO Congress. He is also a blogger for the Huffington Post. For several years, Alejandro has been uh, official spokesperson for the Mutual New UFO Network. <laughs> uh, I've had trouble with uh, MUFON for quite a long time. Mutual UFO Network as the director of public education. As a UFO paranormal researcher and journalist, Alejandro has spent many hours in the field investigating anomalous phenomenon up close and personal. Alejandro has been interviewed by the media organizations around the world, including the largest cable and network news agencies with regular appearances on Coast to Coast AM. He has been featured on the Travel Channel, Sci-Fi, National Geographic, and E, and that surprises me, E. And now he is on the greatest of radio programs here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, A Different Perspective. Alejandro, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. Um... I understand that we grew up in the Denver area at different times. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Uh, I forgot about that. I forgot you were from Denver also. Well, you grew up, I think, on the other side. I was in Aurora, and you were in uh, Westminster or, or Littleton? or. Yeah, I was out by the hills. So I my, my family was in Denver and Globeville, you know, right at, uh, if you're in Denver, the, by the, near the mousetrap there. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yes. 
but I actually went to school mostly out in the west in the foothills where it's really pretty uh, and we don't get to tornadoes or anything, which is nice. So uh, in the Lakewood area, I went to Wheat Ridge High School, actually. So but now my family is mostly in Aurora. So uh, out out in your old stomping ground. Well, my sister used to live in Aurora, but now she lives in Centennial, and she didn't move. Okay. They just changed the name of the town for some reason. Exactly, and I always get confused in, in which is where, and uh, so I always refer to all of that area as, as Aurora still. I think of it that way, too. And, uh, <laughs> I, of course, I graduated from Hinkley High School, which at the time was way out in the boondocks on the eastern side of the Denver-Aurora area. Now it's, I think, just built up all around there. So mm -hmm. there you go. So now we've reminisced, reminisced, reminisced long <laughs> enough uh, about Denver and done our bit to promote Denver, I suppose. Uh, you've been interested in UFOs, paranormal research, and that sort of thing, I, I assume, for a very long time. And I'll ask you the basic question that annoys the hell out of me, but I'll ask you anyway. <laughs> uh, how'd you get started? It's funny that you say that because, uh, you know, the first time I have someone on my show, I always like to go over that because uh, it, it's interesting. But uh, I know what you mean, that people who do a lot of these shows get a little tired of the question. So here's, here's my pat answer for that one. So I, I did grow up mostly skeptical, but interested. Essentially, you know, uh, in high school, I was into math and science and, and everything. In fact, my first uh, major was engineering. I wanted to be a rocket scientist. But at the same time, with my roots uh, in in uh, in Denver and in, in New Mexico, my roots go back quite a bit. Uh, so I still had this, you know, um, attachment to Native American and sort of Mexican kind of openness to the paranormal and everything. And so I, w I was interested in that. And then really what made me go gangbusters into this uh, was in 2001, the uh, disclosure event that happened uh, that Dr. Gurr put together. And those were a lot of great witnesses and people I had never heard of. The disclosure, by, the disclosure event, you mean 2013 in Washington, D.C.? No, 2001 in Washington, D.C. Uh, oh, a different a different disclosure event. Okay. Yeah, the, really wanted, the first one. Wanted to get wanted to get that focused there. Okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, the first one back in 2001, and now everybody tries to repeat it year after year, which is kind of funny because, unfortunately, the first one didn't have much of an effect. By that time, I was a journalism student, and, uh, I, and I was watching it, and I had spoken to others about what they had thought about it, and people said, you know, if there's some big news, we'd cover it. And I was surprised that this event was not covered because there were some uh, important people there, uh, high-profile people that you don't see in the documentaries and stuff like that. So, well, well, let me uh, interrupt. Let me interrupt you here because I'm right up. I'm getting right up against my break time here. Okay. I'm joined by Alejandro Rojas, who is a UFO expert, a world traveler, and that sort of thing. We will be back uh, learning more about UFOs and what he's uh, done right after these messages. So stick around. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. 
Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. And we are back. I'm joined by Alejandro Rojas of Open Minds uh, Productions and television and radio and all kinds of things like that. And for those of you who are interested, uh, the X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, uh, you can get uh, a list of other programs on the network uh, for all kinds of areas of the paranormal. We'll take a look at uh, the hosts and what they talk about. You might find something you find uh, interesting. I'm sure you'll find something that's interesting. When we went away, Alejandro was talking to us about how he got uh, started in the paranormal research, the UFO research, and he had been at a disclosure uh, program or a project in 2000 or around that time, and he was just getting wound up when I cut him off. So, Alejandro, <laughs> the floor is now yours. Take it away. Yeah, well, I saw that event was going to take place, and then it took place, and I was shocked by what little uh, coverage it did get, and there was a lot there uh, that was presented I didn't know. So it, it really, it was kind of funny. It had a huge effect on me. I just, for the next at least year, uh, and, and I'm a very pretty social person, I just, like, boarded myself up in my house. I mean, I was in school at the time, so, of course, I was living life, but if I wasn't in work or school, I was reading uh, and I read, 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 read just tons of books and everything to figure out what I could. And, and that's where it all started. Then I joined MUFON out in Colorado at the time. You know, we were talking about Lakewood, uh, actually is nearby in Littleton that they were headquartered. So, and this was the international headquarters. So I was lucky. The Denver group was a great group. And then I got to be involved with the international group and eventually began to have more and more roles with that organization. And that's really how it all started. And during this whole time, I also did have an interest in, uh, in other aspects of the paranormal. So I got involved with writing and conferences and investigations and stuff like that. So that's how it all began for me. Uh, but your interest uh, was mostly UFOs or uh, UFOs and paranormal or, or it was a, a little. It was a combination. Uh, however, I've really that the UFO aspect has just really kind of taken hold and, and taken most of my time in all of this arena. Uh, in fact, I, I've written quite a few of different on um, different paranormal, uh, you know, phenomena for the Huffington Post. But uh, mostly, I, I just don't have time, as, as you know, you know, or as you probably deal with. It's just this. It's enough just to deal with this one topic. Mean, meaning UFOs. Exactly. Because there's so many subsets. Mm -hmm. There's UFOs. so much, yes. I mean, you've got crop circles, you have abductions, you have crash retrievals, you have uh, MJ-12, you have all of the contactees, you have all these subsets of UFOs, so it's hard to uh, encompass the entire field and a good, a, get a good idea of what's going on. When you do, uh, did your field work or are, are still doing your field Love getting prices that are lower than low on food that's fresher than fresh? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Was there a case that was particularly interesting to you that stood out in your mind? Uh, you know, mean as far as, you know, some of the best cases out there type of things? Well, some, the best case that you've run across, the best case that you've investigated, the one that really kind of excites you. Let's see. You know, it was kind of an, a combination, and I think that's what uh, really got to me as a MUFON investigator, kind of this death by a thousand cuts sort of thing, in that you do a lot of these investigations, and now this is something I deal with on a 
daily uh, basis is a lot of these cases where it's just anecdotal or, you know, you're dealing with witnesses and you work with these witnesses and they're just very credible uh, and they've seen incredible things. And although it's just anecdotal and personally, I don't put much stock in, in anecdotal information, not to say it's false, but just to say it's nothing I can prove. It's not very substantial as, as far as evidence goes. But as far as my personal beliefs, it, it does. And, and I think a lot of personal beliefs of people out there, it does have an effect on your personal beliefs. And it can be substantial in that matter. But of course, when I'm, I'm thinking about overall, I'm thinking about how do I prove these to my colleagues in journalism? You know, is this substantial enough to the mainstream? And in that aspect, it, it, anecdotal information is not. But yeah, kind of a death of a thousand cuts sort of thing. So a lot of great cases that I had looked into um, and some mind opening. You know, I thought abduction ideas were were weird and fringe. And uh, even now it's, it's a big mystery to me. But, you know, I've met a lot of very credible people who have some incredible things to say, who who, you know, seem to genuinely believe what they're saying. So um so those were really interesting, and then you know, and I'll and and in in light of full disclosure, uh, it was interesting to get involved with the Stan Romanek case, and of course, there's a documentary, and I can be seen in it that is on Netflix now. Um, unfortunately, he has been less than honest. Give us, and give us, give us a little background on the Stan Romanek case, because I'm I'm sure there's people out there who are not that familiar with it. Yeah, and this is what a lot of people don't know even now because unfortunately it gets lost. It started with a couple of very interesting sightings. In fact, the first sighting he captured on video was in Lakewood, and he was at a park, and this orange orb flew over, and he caught it on video, and there were dozens of witnesses at this park that saw this blinking orange o orb. Uh, float over and it seemed to be, you know, under control. Uh, this same object was seen soon after it even, uh, these witnesses, uh, again, several witnesses that I've spoken to, and uh, these witnesses talked about how it went over them. One of them flashed a light at it and it moved. It reacted to the light, it moved up, and then it continued moving along. So really credible sightings. Uh, then this guy, you know, he started, he had these videos of these alleged creatures or, or and stuff like that. I got to know him and his family very well. His well, family, let especially. Me, let, me inter- let me let me interrupt you here. You say he's got videos of creatures. You mean alien beings. Yeah, yeah, essentially. What, you know, you're, the, a couple videos he's, he's uh, allegedly captured uh, of these beings. Um and so I got to know his family uh, very what, what, well. What were, the, what were the beings doing? You got a video. You you can see the the alien beings. How how do they look? What did they? What were they doing? Well, in these videos, well, I want to get to that. But uh, so I'm trying to. <laughs> so so I, what I'm getting at is is my kind of story of how I approached all of this. Okay. And and how I got to know the family and the people around and these other witnesses with these videos. And I think that's important because uh, MUFON did investigate this first sighting. Uh, they did talk to several witnesses. They took the video to experts. Uh, there was a lot that happened there that that uh, in the background. But what I'm saying here and what was interesting about this is the credibility level was very high. I, and I knew and became friends with a, a lot of the family members during this time. So that's when I came into it. Then eventually, when they felt uh, essentially that uh, they weren't sharing much information, and at one point they asked me if I would help them um, when situations occurred, and become essentially the, the only investigator on this this case that was getting a lot of attention. So at that time, then, yes, I did get to see these videos, some of which were very um, dubious, some of which looked more credible, which I can't explain to this day. Now, the ones that you want to know about are the alien ones. And he had a couple of videos. In one of these videos, an alien appears to be looking into a window, and this uh, window is about eight feet high or something like that. And uh, it was a weird video. I didn't know what to make of that one. You know, let me, there let, was, me, let me interrupt. You say by eight feet high is the window eight feet or is it eight feet off the ground? Uh, what do you the uh, window ledge is eight feet high off the ground? Yes. OK, that's what I wanted to know. 
Yeah, so it was like a, a tri-level. And um, so this is a window, I think a bedroom window is what it was. In the other video, it looks like this thing is kind of looking in the screen door window. And uh, he captures a little bit of that. And these look, eight, you know, typical, the big head, the big eyes. Those were not as convincing, uh, those videos. But uh, a couple other videos he had were of these orbs. And I'm not even sure if they're online, but three different videos of balls of light. And uh, they do not move along the contours of the uh, walls and structures in the background like a laser would they seem to be like luminous balls that are just moving along on their own these i find very mysterious those are ones those are the best orb videos i've seen i've seen you know maybe a few others that are convincing or interesting most orb videos or pictures i think are, are not very interesting they're typically dust or uh reflecting uh light um but so it was this mixture. And then being with him, you know, I did have a couple sightings when I was in his company. Now, I don't know that he has anything to do with those personally um, because, you know, we were with we were all sky watching uh, a couple times um, and they were not anything, you know, mind blowing or, or that extraordinary, but something that I can't explain. So, for instance, here's an example. We're at his house and we're sky watching and I see what we see practically every night. What looks like a satellite, uh, one point of light moving steadily across the sky. But this time, this point of light turned around. It did this J hook, turned around and faded out. So that was extremely strange. That's one of the few uh, UFO sightings that I've had that I, I can't explain. Um, so that's kind of, you know, so you're how saying you're. You're saying that when you're in the company of Romanak, Romanak, um, you have seen UFOs and that sort sort of thing. Correct. And these are not structured craft or anything. They're more balls of light. What I've seen, yes. Uh, you haven't seen any aliens. No. And you are suggesting that the uh, the alien videos are not very credible. I would say that. Um, I would say oh, overall that they that's true. Um, although they were more credible at the time, they're less credible now. And here's why I say that. They were more credible at the time because there was other uh, aspects of the case that were uh, interesting. And I had no um, evidence of any hoaxing or, or lying going on at the time. Um, they're less credible now because I do have that. Uh, Stan has lied and hoaxed things. Even uh, on my radio show, you know, he tried to to hoax a thing where someone called in and told him to shut up. And uh, I believe that to be a hoax. I believe he's lied to me, and I believe he's he's tried to hoax a lot of stuff. So unfortunately, that severely damaged the credibility of the entire case. And and I would say of this documentary that's on Netflix, the guys who created it are are great guys. I, I like them. But I don't feel, you know, especially as someone who tries to adhere to journalistic standards, that they did that. They didn't tell the full story. They just told the story they wanted to tell, and they cherry-picked. And and that's unfortunate because um, I think, you know, as a documentarian or someone telling, uh, you know, giving people information about a case, uh, for better you've, – you've got to, to have some integrity there, and you've got to, even if it's hurtful to people that – you like, well, and you know this best because you could give a damn uh, about how it affects people. You, you want the truth out there, which is something I really respect. For, uh, uh, I well, respect me, your approach on that. Let me let me interrupt you here because I'm getting up against a break, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's hurt uh, Romanek's credibility, of course, is the criminal charges. And we'll kind of talk about that in a moment because I think that's an important part of the case as well. Uh, for those of you who are interested... You can find um, the website, openmindstv.com. Take a look at some of the things. That openminds.tv. No .com, just .tv. Okay, .tv. I thought I, <laughs> I thought I actually copied it directly off the Google search engine, openminds.tv. 
Uh, we will be back right after that. And of course, there'll always be more information at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And as I say, we'll be right back. So please stick around. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. And we are back with Alejandro Rojas. I'm something... Stumble over names all the time. I don't understand it. I know these people. I know how to pronounce <laughs> their names, and I just can't do it on the radio. I do not know why. Uh, we're talking uh, with him. You, and as we made it clear on the last segment, it's openminds.tv if you want to <laughs> learn more about his website and that sort of thing. We were talking about this Stan Romanek uh, guy and his <laughs> UFO sightings. And I, 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 I think one of the important points we need to point out, and, and it probably uh, – leads directly to credibility, which is the criminal charges. Was that one of the reasons that you kind of uh, backed off from the case? No, actually. Um, <laughs> it was the lies and everything that made me back off. Because really, um, someone can be a criminal and still be experiencing paranormal phenomena. So um, that uh, him being dishonest about um, what may or may not have happened is one thing, but prior to that, he had already been dishonest. So I, that I already had, uh, major concerns and, and especially in that, you know, I felt he, he had tried to hoax a couple things that, uh, I had been, you know, caught him in. So well, let, me, let me be clear on this though. Um, what you're saying is the, the, uh, criminal charges, somebody is, has criminal charges level against them. It does harm their credibility, but for you in this particular case, it didn't make that much of a difference because you'd already run into other problems with the stories and the information he was submitting. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So that's it in a nutshell. And if you can tell, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about the whole affair. But now that this this video is out there and uh, and not just that, it's, um, you know, you asked the question of early cases that had an effect on me. And that certainly did. And um, it's important to be, I guess, uh, to give full disclosure. Um, so, yeah. So so for better or worse, that is a case that was. Well, didn't he also have an alien implant that he was going to give to ABC News or somebody to take a look at? And uh, when it came time to produce the implant, he said it had disappeared? No. Uh, well, I shouldn't say no. Uh, now, this is uh, – I, I'm, I don't remember it, ABC News having anything to do with that. However, yes, he did claim to have an implant. Um, it was something he gave to Nancy Talbot to research she did have friends who did some uh did look at it and they felt they did find some things mysterious about it um and she was going to look into doing some more getting some more analysis done uh stan had asked for it back and uh she went to go get it and it was gone and she says to this day she can't explain it that's never happened to her before and uh, I, I do personally feel, uh, to me, Nancy Talbot's a very credible person, uh, so I do not believe she would lie. I've known her for many years now. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I can't explain that. Uh, but that, that wasn't so much his fault in that case. But, um, yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of takes us off in a bizarre direction, I suppose. It um, does. What didn't he have to admit that he'd fake some of the moving objects that appeared in the background on some early interviews and things like that? He did. There was there was one interview in particular where uh, I guess he was not aware of the frame of the video, and so 
you can see his hand, you know, throwing up a couple objects while he's being interviewed and then pretending like these objects like, you know, came out of nowhere and hit him in the head. Um, and so that, yeah, that really especially destroyed his credibility out there. Um, rightfully so. That was absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, then, you know, at the time, and, and even to this day, I'm mostly pretty quiet about things. I don't like to talk disparaging about people or anything, but uh, I do try to, you know, um, uh, be honest when asked questions. And so at that time, you know, for me, it was kind of like uh, other people got to kind of see why I have distanced myself or been more quiet about the whole thing. But doesn't a case like this where there's obviously hoaxing going on, doesn't that harm legitimate research and the whole kind of UFO field because that's what people always remember? Well, true, but there's nothing you can do about that. Um, there's lots of cases that are like that. You've ran into so much of that with uh, Roswell. So uh, it's one of the difficult things about this bet, this field is there's there's much, much more static than there is, you know, signal. And so it's difficult to weed through all of that. And it takes discipline and rigor to be able to um, be careful about what's signal and what's noise. And, and that's something that you're very good at. And, and it's difficult to do. And most people are kind of uh, cognitively lazy, I think, and that they don't seek to do that. And... Um, I'm and, not. I'm not. I'm not sure that it's so much cognitive laziness as it is mm -hmm. just a will to believe, and so they search out the information. They check, cherry pick the information that kind of supports their belief structure, as opposed to looking at the disconfirming information or something that would disprove a case. So, I, I mean, think you're. I think that there's there's some of both, but I think you're right. I I agree with you actually that it is the, the majority of this want to believe. But when it comes to researchers, I guess that's what I, I was thinking of when I said that. I think there are some researchers who, who do truly seek um, to find, you know, what is truth out there. But then they, they do get a little bit lazy. And um, I think I, I think of some Roswell investigators when I think of that. Or I think of um, people who have looked into the MJ-12 files who, who fall into that category. Um well, let, let me stop. Let me stop you there and ask you a, a straightforward question: uh, MJ12, uh, authentic or hoax? Hoax. There's a, and and that's what baffles me with people who have looked into it. There's no doubt it's a hoax. It's an admitted hoax by the person who came up with the word MJ12, or at least was the first to release that um, that alleged project. Um, so, yeah, hoax. Um, even even the even the first documents, the first documents, and some say, well, these are real, and all the subsequent documents are fake. The the whole thing is a hoax. Especially the first documents, and the problem <laughs> uh, is that the the very first documents are not what people perceive to be the very first documents. People talk about, oh, the first documents are like the SOP or or this uh, the Eisenhower memo. Those were not the first documents. People and people who know better call those the first documents when they actually know the first documents were the ones that Doty, uh, Richard Doty, had released while he was working for the Air Force Office of Special Investigation. And this this yeah. would be this would be the Aquarius Telex, exactly, which, was, which deals with a UFO sighting that somebody had taken the whole document and retyped it on a form similar or pasted on the headings. And and uh, inserted a line about MJ12 being in it, so it's sort of a confirmation of MJ12. Mm -hmm. And I think I think when you say it's an admitted hoax, Bill Moore admitted that he retyped the document. Right, uh, and, so we don't and, have the original. And Richard Doty has said that he knew it was uh, not real; that it, he claimed it was disinformation that the government wanted him to put out, which we don't know for sure. But uh, regardless, you, the people involved with this document say it's a hoax. And I, but I, I'm going to interrupt here again because you say, uh, you know, Doty, Doty put it out uh, maybe officially, but na maybe not officially. It might have been something that Doty had kind of cooked up on his own. I think that's possible. We don't know for sure that that isn't the case. Uh, I think when you look at the Aquarius document he provided to uh, 
a man named, you know, um, Paul Benowitz, who he was trying to make believe, you know, uh, give him information to believe there are UFOs and aliens and, and stuff like that. If you look at that document and the documents that he released uh, during that period of time, they're terrible. They're written poorly. Uh, the grammar is ridiculous. The, the, even the stories inside uh, that that are contained in these documents are absolutely ridiculous. I think the information he then, you know, brought um, um, Linda Howe to uh, Kirtland Air Force Base and then gave her this 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 ridiculous information, all of it, which is really silly. And I and think let, let, let me interrupt here one more time. And I hate to do this, but I want to I want to point out, I think Linda Howe reported accurately what she was told agreed. by Doty when she went to Kirtland. It just doesn't have any bearing on reality he was making the whole thing up and she believed he was telling her the truth from inside sources i agree 100 percent. and what's interesting i find and i'd love to hear your opinion on this is as soon as bill moore the author got involved and started to work with doty these documents were much more well written much more sophisticated uh and and there was a there was a major change at that point. I felt, uh, which to me is evidence of then more participating with Doty in, in the creation of these documents, um, even though they both uh, say that uh, you know it was some mysterious DIA agent or well that this person's background has changed throughout the years. Uh, well, let me let me just say that that Moore had been saying for a number of years, and he told it to Stan Friedman, he told it to Brad Sparks, he may have told it to other people, that he had run up against a brick wall in his Roswell investigation. He was thinking about creating some kind of a document to show mm -hmm. to people in the hopes that it would get them to open up and tell right. him the stuff that they weren't weren't telling him. And all of a sudden, he and his pal uh, Jamie Shandera end up with the uh, Eisenhower briefing document and the Truman Truman letter. Yeah. And this is a great example, though, of what you were talking about. You know, doesn't that hurt ufology? Of course it does. And so does the MJ-12 documents. I mean, a lot of people don't understand. And that's why I have such a passion and have looked into this so thoroughly is that a lot of the mythologies that the UFO community believe in today are based on these documents. And when you follow that thread, you find there's there, they come from dubious beginnings. And that's a problem. You know, it's it's again it's um, um, static and it's not signals. So, so I, you know, uh, I and agree much, with you. How much time? How much time and effort and money is spent researching the MJ12 documents, which are never going to lead anywhere? Exactly. So much. I mean, even uh, when I <laughs> expressed, um, well, and I know you've gotten into this, but uh, even when I expressed disappointment with the move on board, because of course I worked with them so closely for many years, in the nature of um, this this symposium coming up this weekend, uh, the the response, one of the the main response came from Bob Woods, and his response, because he's very much he he spent a lot of his own money in looking into these these documents and his response was well we know from these documents that this is true and that is true and it's like no we don't these are ter these are not credible documents so yeah uh unfortunately a lot of what's done even today by the largest ufo investigation or uh organization uh, is is motivated or influenced by these uh documents that just aren't credible well i was always uh, i found what i thought was a fatal fatal flaw Fatal flare, fatal flaw in the Eisenhower <laughs> briefing document, which was the Del Rio, the El Indio Guerrero UFO crash of December 1950, and it's told by a guy named Robert Willingham to Todd Zeckel, who told it to Bill Moore, and shows up in the Eisenhower briefing document. Mm. But it's clear to anybody who's paid any attention that Willingham made up the story. He was not an Air Force fighter pilot, as he claimed. He was not an Air Force colonel, as he claimed. And yet here's this story in the Eisenhower briefing document as if it's legitimate. And if Willingham made up the story, then that just kind of kills the entire Eisenhower briefing document as far as I'm concerned. 
Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And others have pointed out, and I've even asked Dan Friedman about this on video and, and in interviews, that the list of characters supposedly in MJ-12 was a list that he and Moore had came up with while let speculating. Me, let, let's, ex- mm-hmm. let's explore that in just a few minutes because we're right up against the break again. Um, okay. This is, in fact, a different perspective. I am with Alejandro Rojas. We will be talking about MJ-12 and the cast of characters when we come back and take a look at www.kevinrandall.bob blogspot.com and we will return shortly this is the Exxon Broadcast Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers including CNN Broadcast Network Sirius Satellite Network Star Media Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. I am back on a different perspective with my guest Alejandro Rojas. We were talking about MJ-12, and when I was forced to take a break, um, Alejandro was just to talk about the list of people who are the members of MJ-12 and how that came about, and that you'd asked Stan Friedman about it. So, the floor is now yours on that. Yeah. So I asked Stan. You know, I, I've heard that, and and you know, looking into this, it looks like you all had come up with that same exact list, you and Bill Moore. And he said, "Yeah, we did." And I was like, "Well, didn't that seem suspicious to you that maybe Bill Moore had taken your conversations and put that in the documents?" And he said, "No. To me, it confirmed that we were right when we suspected this." And it was, uh, he said, and plus there was one name on there that we had not discussed that I was surprised to see. Um, which was Menzel, uh, who was a skeptic and, and an astronomer who was very anti-UFO. And, and he felt that in researching Menzel's background and finding he had connections with intelligence, that, that confirmed that he would be a member of MJ-12. But uh, to me, that's not a confirmation whatsoever. Uh, just because someone's uh, involved with intelligence doesn't mean that they're involved with hiding uh, you know, government secrets around aliens and UFOs. So, um, but but if you go back into that time frame, which was the 1940s, almost every scientist you could name would have had some connection with the government during the Second World War, and a lot of them who were uh, were involved with uh, code breaking and that sort of thing, which put them into the intelligence category. Um, do, uh, Dr. Buskirk, who was in brought into the uh, the uh, St. Augustine crash by Gerald Anderson. When you looked at his background, you discovered he'd been an officer I, in the, I believe he had intelligence uh, connections during the Second World War, and Stan Friedman used that to discredit him, saying, saying that he had, um, uh, was, was, I guess, obeying his intelligence masters when he denied that Anderson had been out there on the scene of a crashed UFO. So I think that that really doesn't disqualify uh, anybody or, or, or suggest there is some kind of uh, liar about what was going on. So, you know, which I, is I, funny I, because his primary witness, his number one, the first witness that got him involved with Roswell, uh, worked for intelligence. So, um, <laughs> yes, uh, Jesse Marcel, Jesse Marcel Sr., yeah, the first guy to look at the, the but, crash but material. Have- 
having been a staff intelligence officer in the Air Force, not that long after Jesse Marcel, and I, I hate to date myself that way, but it was <laughs> only like 20 years later I was a staff officer in the intelligence, I always thought the role of the staff intelligence officers in that environment, meaning he was working with a bomber wing, I was working with a airlift wing, the, the role of the intelligence officer was really that of a journalist, which was gathering information about places we would be going, things that we might see, problems we might have, and alerting the flight crews to that. It wasn't like we were out there spying on anybody or any, any of that sort of thing. It was that sort of benign thing going on. So, But, but that, that's a good point that the guy that got him dragged into Roswell was an intelligence officer. And right. Cavett, Cavett being the CIA, uh, the CIA guy, the CIC guy, counterintelligence corps guy, um, had a rule more like you think of when you think of intelligence. So, mm -hmm. you know, that that's kind of an interesting point. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm certainly not big on the uh, MJ-12 documents. And, and I've gotten in conversations, as you have, in fact, you know, one of the first, I, the first time I met you was at a MUFON uh, symposium, and it was in Denver, which is one of the ones I was helping put on. And I was uh, helping out at the tables, and I was sitting in between you and Stanton and uh, listening to some of your banter back and forth. Uh, and it was funny because, you know, you can be kind of a goofball. Uh, and I was like, who is this guy? It was really funny. You were cracking me up. Well, that's my job, and I, I don't do enough of it here on the radio program, I'm afraid, because <laughs> we just don't have time to kind of kind of do that. But I, you know, I take the, the phenomenon seriously, but sometimes you just have to make fun of it. Yeah. And I know one of the things that I was showing Stan at that conference was a, um, um, a document from the uh, Navy SEALs website, their Hall of Shame. And it had Gerald Anderson on it because he'd claimed to be a Navy SEAL and there was no evidence that he was. And I thought, doesn't that hurt his credibility? And mm -hmm. Stan said, well, yeah, he just wasn't sure about that. And he was going to look into it. And I had the document right there to show him that was a screenshot from the website. So, you know, you, you have to look at all of that stuff. And I, I think that, you know, the backgrounds of people, when we look at them, we've got to look at the backgrounds of the people who are telling these tales to be sure that, that – uh, they haven't made up stuff in their background, like Anderson being a Navy SEAL or Frank Kaufman being an intelligence NCO when he, in fact, was in administration and that sort of thing. You have to look at that sort of thing and, and apply that to the stories they're telling to determine whether or not it is something that's authentic. Yeah, and that's the danger of wanting to believe. And I think that that's just uh, something we always have to police ourselves on and on making sure our biases are not getting in the way. Uh, what we want uh, is not something, you know, that we're not cherry picking information. And, and that can be difficult. And I think I'm aided in that I don't want to believe. And, and so many, I think, do. Uh, and, and that can be troublesome, and, and we have to be careful of that. I, I would, I really am not married to whatever outcome uh, or whatever the the information shows me. Uh, I just want to know more than well, anything. Well, one of the things, one of the things that tripped me up at the beginning of the Roswell investigation was we were talking to these military people, and I would believe that they what they were telling about their military careers. I just mm. couldn't believe people would be making that stuff up. And then it's I, shocking. I, I, I found a book called Stolen Valor, and you just read about these people who have come out and claimed to be great heroes. Uh, the highest, uh, the most decorated guy, I think, in the Del Delaware National Guard turned out to be a complete fraud. He was wearing a whole bunch of medals and telling stories that just simply were not true. I didn't think people would go to that length. I, you know, I know about war stories, and you kind of embellish things and, and that sort of thing. But that's really different than saying, well, I was a high-ranking officer like Willingham. And so I was a high-ranking officer in the Air Force. I flew fighter jets, and I saw this UFO crash. You know, that's completely different than kind of embellishing a war story that you were technically involved with. So I just was surprised by that. But that's why I now check the backgrounds of people who tell me that they, were, they have military careers. I attempt to check it out to make sure that they're not falsifying that because mm -hmm. it's true you really can trust no one especially when you're you're seeking answers uh and, and in a field like this uh because uh, you know i have a background my my i have a degree in psychology and it's uh, industrial psychology and i'm I have a real interest in, and it pertains to this field and in uh false memories and and you know, lies and the way the brain works to create these these sort of uh, fantasies and stuff like this. 
And I was it was shocking to me when I discovered and saw the, the work done on how many people claim to have a military background who do not. And in this field, you know, people will say, well, why would that person be motivated to lie? Why would this person be motivated to to make up these big elaborate lies? I don't know why they would be motivated to do it. However, I know many, many people do because we've been proven over and over and over again that people have done it. I don't know why they do it. Um, you know, oh, you'd I, think, have to... I think part of it is, is draw the spotlight. If I tell a wild enough story or an interesting enough story, I'm going to get on television. I'm going to get invited to be on radio programs. And uh, that's a very powerful draw in and of itself. It's not really right. monetarily driven. It's, it's just psychologically driven. You know, and this comes back to something when we talked about Romanek and uh, this idea of what Ben Hansen calls legendizing. So he was on that show, Factor Fake. Great, yes. he's got an FBI background. A gr I love this guy, he's a good friend of mine. But he talks about legendizing, and he applies it to like the Ruminant case, in that maybe he really did have a couple exciting, uh, really good videos that he captured of UFOs. And, you know, he loved that spotlight, and so then began to um, crave that spotlight and manufacture situations to keep himself in that spotlight. And I think that kind of does happen, and, uh, and it, I love that term then legendizing well you you've actually described willingham who had the the original story of seeing the ufo crash on the mexican uh, texas border but by the time he was done spinning his tails he'd been involved in seven investigations of ufo crashes mm -hmm. and so it wasn't just the one story now it became many many more stories about about crashes and that sort of thing so i think that that's a wonderful term for explaining part of this phenomenon we deal with right. yeah so, uh -huh. we're just uh, really running out of time here again. Is there, um, at your at your website, uh, openminds.tv, um, mm -hmm. they can take a look at your background, and there's, I guess there's a lot of stories that you've written about UFOs and that sort of thing there? Oh, yeah. Tons of stuff. We update it daily, where we, we update it with UFO News Daily. Surprisingly, I always comb the headlines out there the mainstream media headlines and post those on a daily basis regarding UFOs and, and, you know, astrobiology and things like this. And surprisingly, there's a lot of stuff out there and a lot of it is, you know, mainstream media taking sightings and such seriously. So we have that on a daily basis. We have um, sighting reports from MUFON uh, that we post there and other investigations and news as it comes up that we have on our website on a daily basis. So, yeah, at openminds.tv. And then we also have, of course, the UFO Congress. So it's uh, we've won the Guinness World Record for the largest UFO conference. And that's a really fun event that happens in February uh, here in the Phoenix area, which is perfect place to be in February because the weather is great. Uh, unlike many places in the country. So, yeah, you can find uh, out about that at ufocongress.com. Well, thank you, Alejandro. We've had a wonderful conversation. It went by way too fast and went into areas <laughs> I didn't expect it to go. And there were things that I wanted to ask you that we just didn't done. So I'm sure that we can get you back at some point in time to ch chat about some of that stuff. Definitely. I'd love it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank uh, you. For those of you who are interested, we'll be uh, putting up some information at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And for those of you who are interested in the Roswell case, as I always say, take a look at Roswell.